the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stefan Tubbs Show, final hour on this holiday edition. I'm Randy Corcoran from your Saturdays. Moving to our new time, 5 p.m., and we're going to kick off the new time slot on Saturday with a very special show, welcoming back uh, my dear friend and everybody's favorite, Congressman Tom Tancredo, after his uh, long and devastating bout with colon cancer. And um, if you haven't been following this story, and Tom has not been on a radio show in forever, but uh, the day that he was after chemotherapy, after just, you know, you if you've dealt with this in your family or with friends, you know what it's like to try and support somebody through this. On the day that he was declared cancer-free, he and his wife went out on a shopping trip and had a minor fender bender car accident. He bumped his head on the steering wheel and because of the blood thinners, developed a brain bleed. And so on the day he's declared cancer-free after going through all kinds of months of hell, he's in the hospital for weeks uh, trying to get past this brain bleed. And uh, so he will be returning to the air for the very first time, and he's going to do it on our show when we kick off our new time slot Saturday night at 5 p.m. I am really looking forward to that and hope that you will join us for it as well. We spent a little time in um, Ashley Biden's diary, and I read from it and led to some calls. A texter wrote in and says that the diary wasn't stolen. It was left behind in a halfway house, much like the laptop, Hunter Biden laptop from hell. The uh, the people who had it pleaded guilty to avoid longer prison sentences. Think January 6th. I, I don't know for sure about those details. But we know that the diary's confirmed real. We know we have the creepiest, most disgusting human being um, at the helm of the United States of America, most powerful position in the world as we speak. Over the weekend, um, with having a little time off, I got a chance to watch some TV, watch some news shows and stuff. And, you know, one great thing about the holidays is they you have people that are on that you don't see regularly, um, you know, during the normal non-holiday times. And if you're like me, when you find websites that you absolutely um, adore that you just have to go back to over and over, you bookmark them. And then if you replace your computer, you lose those book- bookmarks. And years ago, I had bookmarked a website called Legal Insurrection, Legal Insurrection. And I'd lost it. I'd forgotten about it until I saw our next guest on, uh, I think it was on a Newsmax show over the weekend. His name is William Jacobson, Bill Jacobson. And um, he somehow survived Harvard Law School, uh, became a law professor at Cornell, a trial lawyer, an appellate lawyer, uh, just writes uh, most prolific. I don't know how people find the time to write as much as they do sometimes. But if you've never read Bill Jacobson's work, go to LegalInsurrection.com, and he's going to join us now to talk about some of his latest work. Bill, thank you very much, and appreciate you sharing some holiday with us here in Denver. Thank you for having me on. You probably, the piece that you wrote uh, 
on Biden's bitter, angry, divisive speech, the satanic, red-tainted, backwards-flagged, marine-posted anti-MAGA speech, anti-half or more of the country speech, was probably the most powerful bit of writing on that particular topic that I've seen. And um, so I wanted to get you on to talk a little bit about that. But you also have a new piece up about the special master I'd like to spend a little time with. So talk to me first about Biden. We played some of Trump's rally um, sound earlier. We played a little bit of the Biden speech. Everybody knows the press secretary, you know, um, comes out and calls the MAGAs uh, dangerous. And then Biden tries to walk it all back. What's going on here? I've never seen anything like this in American politics. Well, certainly not recently. This was really an unhinged, vitriolic attempt to dehumanize uh, people who voted for Donald Trump, which means over 70 million people. It really was so far beyond the normal political attacks. We're used to seeing nasty political attacks. But this was the president of the United States using his office for a national address where he had demanded free network time because this wasn't going to be a political address. This was really the sort of thing a president normally does in a state of emergency or something like that. And, you know, we can think back of times when when that has happened. And he used it to really talk about Trump supporters in ways that are beyond just angry. Um, you know, his one of his lines from it was that Trump supporters or MAGA Republicans thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. I mean, this is a sort of comments that you would see in a dictatorship when they're getting ready to engage in ethnic cleansing or something like that to talk about your opponents, your political uh, voters, not even your opponent, that they live in the shadow of lies. I mean, it's so terrible that he's talking about Americans this way. And, and so really, I think this was so far over the top uh, that at one level, it was completely unexpected. Of course, if you know who Joe Biden has been throughout his career, it's not really unexpected from Joe Biden because he was the person who invented Borking. Borking being the vicious attacks on Judge Bork to try to keep him off the Supreme Court, which were eventually successful uh, and really have polluted our politics you know, for several decades now. Joe Biden deserves infamy for that. And so, you know, this was the real Joe Biden, not the fictitious, you know, uh, grandfatherly figure uh, created by the media for 2020. And that's really, you know, my big takeaway is that this is a nasty guy who has a lot of power. He's wielding that power. He's wielding it through um, law enforcement. He's wielding it through non-enforcement of the border. He's wielding it through executive order. And it's a very, very scary time. It's remarkable. And, you know, when you see him off teleprompter, it's hard to think that he is particularly in command of these ideas or putting them forward. But uh, when you remind me about Borking, you, you remember what he did to Clarence Thomas. You remember when he passed, uh, when he jailed more, created laws that jailed more black young men um, than any other time in our history, referred to them as thugs. We got to get these thugs out of our neighborhood. Um, that level of vitriol really does come naturally to him, doesn't it? it? It really does. I mean, when you think about it, this is somebody who rubbed shoulders with segregationists willingly when it's helped him politically and then accused Mitt Romney of wanting to put blacks back in chains. 
I mean, that's how uh, deceitful this guy is. And it's really a shame that, you know, you have to say that. I mean, I was a harsh critic of Obama, but with Obama, kind of what you saw was what you got. With Joe Biden, they have created this highly contrived uh, notion that he's just, you know, the statesman, that he's just the uh, person who is the kind grandfather to the nation. And he's not. And he's never been. His whole career, he's never been that. And so really, we have this uh, fiction going on as to who the president is in terms of his personality. I do agree he's not 100 percent there, but he can't escape blame for what came out of his mouth on that stage, Uh, at least uh, according to Politico, for what it's worth. He has been the driving force behind this theme of attacking quote unquote, MAGA Republicans. And so, you know, he deserves the blame. Maybe he didn't write the speech, but he certainly delivered it with vigor. And uh, they've been more or less defending it since then. His his anger. I I don't know if this is an apt comparison or not, but, um, you know, if I'm up late, I'll watch some of the black and white shows that come on that talk about uh, World War Two and history. And you'll see these snippets of Adolf Hitler standing in front of crowds. Now, Biden can never draw a crowd. It would be terrifying if if Biden could do what he did in front of these Trump-sized crowds with that level of enthusiasm. But the gestures, the mannerisms, the, the dark outlines, the fists in the air, the look in his face, um, maybe not maniacal, but certainly um, very power-oriented and very, very angry. Yeah, it was very disturbing. I mean, if you you see, if you watch that speech, extremely disturbing to see the president of the United States acting in his official capacity um, going on like that against Americans. And what are his gripes about so-called MAGA Republicans? They want to secure the border. Oh, no. That's so so terrible. (laughs) They want lower taxes. That's so terrible. They want energy independence. Is that so terrible? Well, I guess in Joe Biden's world, those things actually are terrible. Uh, and and that goes to show you what he's all about politically, that, you know, loving your country, wanting it to be strong, uh, wanting to put United States' interests first ahead of other countries. That doesn't mean we don't help other countries, but we have to do it in our national interest. I mean, these are all things that, uh, you know, most people agree with. And I think this what you're seeing now is an attempt to obscure his failures. Let's he wants Let's talk about Donald Trump. Let's talk about, you know, MAGA, bad MAGA Republicans. Let's not talk about the open border. Let's not talk about inflation. Let's not talk about the fact that, you know, we're heading towards where Western Europe is now, which is an energy crisis. Let's not talk about any of those things. Let's talk about Donald Trump. Let's talk about MAGA Republicans. So it's all very contrived. But when you get down to it, Joe Biden has to own the speech. And he can't walk away from it and say, oh, it was my speechwriters or something like that. Talking with Professor William Jacobson from Cornell, the website, I highly recommend it. I've rebookmarked it on my new laptop, LegalInsurrection.com, LegalInsurrection.com. Most people, uh, if they didn't see it, they've at least heard some of the clips. We've played them here today. I know they've been played on our station on the national shows and probably some of the local shows over the last few days. But I'll bet a lot of folks didn't hear the walk back. So I'm going to play about 46 seconds of Joe Biden walking back the nasty uh, attack on half of America that he had done the night before. The audio is not great, but you can hear the um, the reporter's question and then Biden's walk back, which is just 
like 100% of a walk back. Really like to get your take on that. Mr. President, President, do you consider all Trump supporters to be a threat to the country? Y'all, everyone, come on. Anyone who calls for the use of violence fails to contempt violence when it's used, refuses to acknowledge that an election has been won, insists upon changing the way in which the rules you count votes. That is a threat to democracy. Democracy. Everything we stand for, everything we stand for rests on the platform of democracy. Professor Will Jacobson, Bill Jacobson, LegalInsurrection.com. First of all, he basically contradicted everything he had said the night before. Second, he does the classic Alinsky tactic of calling out your opponents for what you yourself do. He's the guy who never came out and condemned, uh, you know, Antifa violence, Black Lives Matter violence, and and uh, uh, other even more recent violent acts during his presidency. Um, so how do you explain this? What I know some Democrats have called out this, the, the satanic speech. Um, why the walk back the very next day? I first thought it was just part of the dementia. Well, you know, there's maybe things we don't know about. A lot of times the White House or political campaigns will do instant polling, overnight polling. And it might be that that was very negative, that this was not well received. And the message got to him, you got to tone it down, you got to walk it back a little. But, you know, we don't know. Uh, he's not really backing off today or was it yesterday. I'm losing track of days. His third iteration of this is that it's now MAGA proposals. So MAGA, you know, legislation, MAGA political that he's really complaining about. Uh, so he's now on the third version. But the version that most people saw and the version that he assumed with the pre-written speech, which presumably he read before he delivered it, was the nastiest and the worst of them all. And, and that's really what he's got to live with. The slight, slight walk back really, you know, is not uh, effective, is not something, you know, he could apologize for that speech. If he wants to apologize, maybe some people would accept the apology, but slightly walking it back, creating new versions of it that are a little less offensive, I don't think really does the trick. Well, you're writing about these things so much, so you must be paying very, very close attention. I know you've been doing the same over the last several years. My belief is that this is all part of the the setup for the upcoming midterm elections, and especially 2024, to demonize the the MAGA Republicans, the America First Republicans, and Donald Trump supporters in particular so much that when the left unleashes another summer of violence, um, which I fully expect this year, and certainly when we get to 2024, if Donald Trump is a nominee, can you imagine the violence that the left will unleash on our cities? And this is a way to make that okay. It's kind of like a secret signal to these people that the other side is so bad, is so evil, is so dangerous to air quotes democracy um, that it's okay to do your thing, go forth and destroy. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting to hear him say, you know, how evil it is to refuse to accept an election. Well, that's exactly what re the Democrats did with George Bush. 
they said the Supreme Court stole the election and handed it to him. That's what they did with Donald Trump in 2016. They did it twice with Bush, and they did it in 2016 with Donald Trump, where they said the Russians stole the election. Hillary's still refusing to accept that as legitimate. And not only have there's a, a video the RNC put on uh, not TikTok, YouTube um, today, and I think also Twitter, 10 minutes of Democrats refusing to accept Republican victories. <laughs> and, you know, and it's even worse than that, because we've we wrote about this in 2016, and I tweeted it out again today as a reminder. There was an organized effort in 2016 between the election and the inaugurate and the casting of votes for the electors, which I think comes in December, to harass and intimidate electoral college electors to get them to change their votes. There was a legal movement created for so-called faithless electors. So the Democrats are the ones who tried to undermine the process, and they did it through threats and intimidation of uh, electors. Uh, that has been memory hold by the media. Uh, and so when they say Republicans and the tiny percentage, you know, minuscule percentage who went to the Capitol that day. And I don't think they should have broken in and rioted. Uh, and I you know, condemn that. But yeah. that's a, a minuscule, that's like a fraction of a tiny fraction of 1% of MAGA Republicans. But these were mainstream Democrats. I mean, they posted a clip on the, um, I'm forgetting his name, the MSNBC guy, Hayes, I forget it, Chris, Chris Hayes, Hayes, whatever his name is, yeah. on his show, giving airtime to Michael Moore. Uh, talking about how the electors should go rogue. This was Emma, this yeah. was mainstream stuff. Sure. And and now all of a sudden they've forgotten that they tried to undermine the process and they did it through threats and intimidation. And all of a sudden, so why aren't they being demonized? Why was there no commission set up to investigate them? Why is, didn't the Department of Justice go after those people? And so, you know, it's a total double standard, but for this president to get up there and act like the objections to the 2020 election, where the first time this has ever happened, and nobody's ever done such a thing before, when in fact Democrats do it every single time a Republican wins the presidency. They claim it was stolen, they claim it was corrupt, the Supreme Court stole it, the Russians stole it, and that's their mainstream politics. And it's outrageous for him to get up there and talk about you know, uh, MAGA Republicans living in the darkness of lies, when in fact his political compatriots have been the ones who've continuously uh, denied the legitimacy of election results when a Republican wins. It's all PSYOP. It's all distraction. It's to keep the mainstream, corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine from talking about just how bad things are in the country. And, um, and Professor, I always hate to correct a guest, but um, I am the Republican National Committee man from Colorado, and I am very well aware of the GOP YouTube channel. And I have to tell you, it's not 10 minutes of Democrats denying election results. It's 12 minutes. And I've had it queued up for the last three hours. So with your indulgence, I'm going to play just a minute of it so people can hear exactly what you're talking about. Because <laughs> it's unbelievable the hypocrisy of these people. You become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's a real what I'm thing. scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? Kamala. You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Could you be my vice president? Joe Biden. 
Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. Jimmy Carter. He lost the election, and he was put into office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this. Nadler. President-elect as a legitimate president. You Lewis. said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have Feinstein. a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate Marcia president. Marsha Fudge. That, Trump- that is one of 12 minutes, Professor. It, it, the media just acts like none of that is out there, like it never existed. They play along. That's why I know it's such a psyop, and that's why I love the fact that I believe Americans are waking up so fast this particular summer as we approach these midterms. That's right, and you know what? It's working. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about Joe Biden's speech. We're not talking about how he has abandoned border enforcement, how they're estimating, I forget how many millions, I think it's two million people or that we know about are going to illegally enter the country this year. Many of them, if not most of them, are single adult men. Uh, these are not, you know, children. These are not, you know, refugees from from uh, abuse. These are people who are coming here because the word has gotten out. The border is wide open. This is a president who has who first day in office killed the Keystone Pipeline. He's damaging the infrastructure and the ability of our country to be energy independent. He's forcing people forcing the country to go towards um, electrification of vehicles and other things when we don't even have an electric grid that can handle current capacity. And so he is driving this nation to a, to really a catastrophe, the sort of catastrophe we're going to see this winter in Germany, where people are going into the woods to chop down trees because they're going to have to, you know, they need firewood preparing for this winter. I mean, he is putting us in a very precarious position where we're putting all of our stakes as a nation in an electric grid that is the least reliable of our utilities nationally. And so this is a really bad situation. Inflation is absolutely destroying people's incomes. It's destroying their ability to live. We already have 60% of the population who live paycheck to paycheck. Inflation is particularly devastating for them. You know, maybe for Joe Biden, an extra 40 bucks or 50 bucks a week on food is not a big deal. But for tens of millions of people, that's a very big deal. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about his stupid speech uh, in which he demonizes people who love the country. And so I think it's working. I mean, and that's it. And, mm. uh, you know, and so, yes, we need to condemn him. Yes, we need to talk about it. But as long as we're talking about MAGA Republicans and we're talking about Donald Trump, the Democrat strategists are very happy. So what do you suggest? I mean, legal insurrection is on fire. You've got tons of great writers there, and they're they're defending, they're pushing back, they're pointing out uh, talk radio. This kind of stuff fuels yeah. uh, talk radio. The candidates, I believe, are out there talking about other things and putting those, uh, you know, reminding folks of just how dire of straits that we're in right now. But do you think, for instance, people like you and I should maybe be changing our strategies a little bit, too? It's hard not to react and defend this stuff uh, when that's the steady diet that comes through the mainstream media. Yeah, no, no one person can do everything. I have, you know, perhaps because I live in blue states. I mean, I split my time between New York and Rhode Island. So I don't really see a lot of maybe what the rest of the country sees. But. I don't see a very strong pushback from national Republicans 
on a lot of what is going on. There are exceptions. There are a handful of people who are out there all the time speaking up, fighting against it. But I, I have not seen, uh, and again, it might be because I'm in blue states where no Republican candidate's going to spend money on airtime, uh, wisely so, because they're going to lose in these states. Um, uh, but I'm not really seeing this the Republicans at a national level, at a political level, rising up and really warning the country about the emergency we are facing about the inflation and about the uh, open borders and about the um, fact that he's putting us in a very vulnerable position uh, regarding energy. I'm not seeing it. Now, maybe it's out there and maybe it's happening in, in states where people do invest money in those sort of campaign ads, but I'm not seeing it. And that's very troublesome. I mean, it's not for, for me and for you to do that sort of political activism, but it is for the Republicans to do that sort of activism. And I hope they're doing it. I hope they're doing it in swing states. Uh, I hope I'm just not seeing it because I'm in two blue states. But that's really worrisome to me that, you know, everybody plays their own role. We call attention to things. We analyze things. We discuss things. But the politicians have to get out there and the various committees supporting those politicians have to get out there and let people know what's really going on. Certainly can't accuse Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis of being shy in that regard. No, and there are some who are who are out there, like I said, but I'm just yeah. not getting that feeling that we have mobilized. I'm not getting the feeling the Republicans have mobilized. I'm not getting the feeling that they are uh, organizing to get the vote out. And that's going to could be where where things fall apart. It's going to be turnout. Midterm elections are always turnout elections. And I'm not getting the feeling that they are building that crescendo of enthusiasm on the Republican side that the Democrats seem to have, you know, in part due to the abortion decision, uh, but also what gets Democrats motivated, hatred of Donald Trump. And that's, sure. I think, part of the Biden strategy as well. Well, Professor William Jacobson, we took you far longer uh, than we promised that we would. I appreciate the generosity of your time on a Labor Day evening. Uh, remember that most of the activity in elections really gets started after Labor Day. So maybe we'll circle back in a few weeks and see if uh, you and I both feel better about Republican chances. As a Republican National Committee man, I can tell you there's a ton of stuff going on behind the scenes to turn out the vote, to protect the elections, to set up these uh, um, these community centers in just the right places. And um, it's it's a lot different Republican Party than it used to be. And it ain't enough, but it's it's changing and it's changing for the better. And that's something. Really appreciate your time. Commend LegalInsurrection.com to Anybody and everybody, you'll once you open it up, you won't stop reading. And um, God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for your time tonight here in Denver. We appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Better believe it. And I'll play some more of the 12 minutes of Democrat election denial when we come back. But right now, we've got to jump to our break here on the Stephen Tubb Show on 710 KNUS. That's an appropriate song to read Ashley's Biden's diary, too, I would guess. But we are about out of time to pay tribute to Freddie Mercury, 70, born 76 years ago today.
You know, in past life, I worked at runaway shelters, volunteered at runaway shelters, and uh, did court-appointed special advocacy work with uh, in broken homes. There was sex abuse, physical abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, emotional abuse, neglect, all of those things. So I, I don't take any pleasure in, uh, you know, embarrassing someone like an Ashley Biden with this diary. But this disgusting human being is the president of the United States. And his daughter in her own diary wrote about her own sexual abuse. I mean, she speculates about it, hypersexualized at a young age. I remember in second grade lifting up my skirt, showing the boys my underpants. Was I molested? I think so. I can't remember specifics, but I do remember trauma. I remember not liking a certain person's house. I remember somewhat being sexualized with Carolyn. I remember having sex with friends at a young age. Showers with my dad, probably not appropriate. And she goes on to talk about the problems that that led to in her life. And so I've got some clarification on on what happened here with the diary. So the, the people who are now going to jail, apparently, are not going to jail for stealing the diary. It was not stolen. It's um, The other texter was accurate. And thanks to texters for sending in this clarification. I went and looked up the story. They, uh, they found it at a halfway house, but what led to a crime is that they sold it. They sold the property of another, and the fact that um, Ashley Biden is the putative president's daughter uh, just kicks it to a whole different level. They, um, I think they sold it for 40 grand to Project Veritas, and that led to the FBI kicking in James O'Keefe's door at his apartment. And now, according to this recent story from um, townhall.com, Let's see. They pled guilty to conspiracy to commit interstate transportation of stolen property involving the theft of personal belongings of an immediate family member of a then-former government official. Oof. Holy smoke. So uh, looks like there's some punishment to be had there. This was the wrong story. I thought I had something up that told me um, what the if they'd taken a plea what the sentence was going to be. But regardless, I uh, was just texting with uh, Tom Tancredo, look, reminding him, looking forward to confirming he's going to be the first guest in studio on our new, at our new time slot on Saturday where uh, Wake Up with Randy Corcoran moves to 5 p.m. We had a lot of fun on Saturday with people suggesting new names for the show, and, uh, and they were abundant, man. It was step up, wind up, shake it up. Stay alert, unwoke with Randy Corcoran, wake up, not woke up with Randy Corcoran, America first with Randy Corcoran, and there's a whole other page over here somewhere. Let's see what were some of the others. Wise up. Well, anyway, um, I'm guessing we're going to stick with wake up because it is not about the time of day. It is about getting your head out of the dark regions, getting off of your couch and going and um, taking a real look at what's going on in the world around you and ignoring the... Republican consultants and all the brainiacs out there who are telling you how to think and what you should and shouldn't talk about, and simply getting the information, making your own decisions about dangerous, 
vaccines, about the origins or the dangers of the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus, about the election. I promised uh, when we ended the call with uh, Professor Jacobson from LegalInsurrection.com that I'd give you another minute or so of this amazing 12 minutes that the RNC put together. It's up on their YouTube page, the GOP page at YouTube. 12 minutes of Democrats denying election results. These are all in very recent history. So these hypocrites, both the Republicans, the never-Trumpers, the moderates who think that they're helping things, it really didn't hurt the Democrats very much to talk about elections. And the difference between them and us is they made their crap up. We didn't. We are slowly and surely getting at the truth. And I'll, I'll just throw down this challenge on the Stefan Tubbs show. I do it everywhere I go. Anybody with a microphone, anybody with a camera, TV camera, still camera, a blog, a newspaper article, that wants to debate the things that I've said about the election, about the vaccine, if you want to call it that, or anything else. You name the time, you name the place, but we have to narrow it down to one or two topics, one or two states, one or two events, so we can spend 15 or 20 minutes, whatever you have the guts to offer, to explore these options. Before we go to break, let's have a minute of fun with Democrats. Is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. But there actually is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question. Yes. So that was a very tainted election. And and in that sense, it's illegitimate. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. Stolen emails. Stolen drone. Stolen drone. Stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. Did you believe president? No, that was unprecedented Trump. Not unprecedented. You screwed that up, Tucker. That was the now current... Washington White House press secretary on her Twitter feed. In fact, I'm going to rewind this video just a little bit so I can read it to you again. It says, this is Karine Jean-Pierre. Stolen emails, stolen drones, stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented, unprecedented Trump. Unbelievable. These people are such hypocrites. Stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> the Russian attempt to have, to have the election. And frankly, the FBI is weighing in on the election. I think make the, make, makes his election illegitimate. There was. So let's and I know we got to get to break. I'm sorry. But when Jerry Nadler, a thinner version of Jerry Nadler, he's not doing so well right now, uh, says that about the FBI, he's talking about James Comey when he weighed in on Hillary Clinton's actual possession 
of classified information on the server that she kept in her home. Tens of thousands of dangerous emails and other communications and other documents. And James Comey came out, and yes, it did impact the election, probably somewhat negatively to Hillary to say we, she did this. But do you remember what else he said? We don't believe that any reasonable prosecution could be brought on these facts. So we're declining to charge her. Unlike the president, President Trump, she had no ability to declassify documents. She had no excuse. They covered for her. And then they raid Mar-a-Lago. Give me a break. 645, Stefan Tubbs Show, final segment. Stay with us, 710 KNUS. Wrong. No tubs today. But the big man will be back in the seat tomorrow at his new time, really his old time, 4 p.m. to 7. Thanks to Deb Flora for checking in with us at 3 o'clock today when uh, to talk about her new show, which kicks off tomorrow, Monday through, well, Tuesday this week, but Monday through Friday at 3 p.m., the new Deb Flora show. Deb Flora back on 710 KNUS. I'm Randy Corcoran from Saturdays. I'm moving from mornings 9 to noon, where Peter Boyles is returning to. And my new show will be at 5 p.m. And I was texting with Tom, with uh, Tom Tancredo, and um, he's out at dinner, and there is an extremely prominent Republican politician nearby. And I said, does he like you? And he said, no. And I said, well, you ought to get up, go over, stick your hand out, say, hey, blank, good to see you. Maybe kiss him right on the mouth, but I, I don't think Tom's going to do that. Of course, he's not entirely well just yet. Anyway, Tom Tancredo will join us as my first in-studio guest at the new time slot this coming Saturday, his first time on radio since being declared cancer-free and on the very same day getting into a tiny, minor, minuscule, next-to-nothing car crash, which led to a brain bleed and weeks of hospitalization and all kinds of problems. So, Tom's been out and about. He's been doing stuff. He's been showing up at events. It's been really, really cool. If you were with us earlier in the show, you know that we've been playing Freddie Mercury music. Freddie was born 76 years ago. He died in November of 1991. That led to a text from listener Carol, who will be joining us at 5 p.m. on Saturday. She says, thank you, Carol. But she was also in the hospital, the same Lutheran hospital that Freddie Mercury was in when he was dying. Uh, and she was she almost died as well, uh, and I won't go into the details on that. But she asked, as part of our Freddie Mercury tribute, to play the Queen song, Radio Gaga. And how could you say no to uh, to somebody with that kind of history with Freddie Mercury?
not enough time to get to lyrics, I'm afraid, because we're going to run out of show. We've got callers on the line as well. Had one more of my favorites from Freddie, too, though. literally could do the rest of the show just playing ready mercury gets me so fired up but man we're at the end of four hours here let's try and at least squeeze charlie in and parker charlie good evening welcome to the Stefan tub show hi randy uh nice to hear you in the evening uh you're doing a little preliminary for saturday night a little warm-up for saturday uh, will you join us on saturday uh, I'll try to. I'm Thank usually you, doing uh, honeydews men, and I should be able to. Good. Plug it in uh, or grab a podcast, brother. Thanks. Yeah, it's, that's it. <laughs> You're driving me nuts, not you. Collectively, <laughs> all all of the talking heads are driving me nuts. Yeah. How does how does uh, Hillary qualify for double jeopardy? I didn't realize that you could just that Comey would is is uh, able to bestow her with double jeopardy. How is she protected? Well, he didn't say that uh, that she was protected by double jeopardy. He said that no reasonable prosecutor would bring the case because they couldn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. So he was using yeah. what's called prosecutorial discretion. He was he was basically telling prosecutors, "We're not bringing you a case, so don't even yeah. try." It's disgusting. And yeah, wait, no, wait a minute. Go ahead. But that, that's that's law. That's that's the end of it. Or can we can we start all over again in January? Well, I'm a little worried that the statute of limitations may be up, and I haven't done a, any yeah. homework on that. But it may be too late to get Hillary. But what we can certainly do is continue to point out the hypocrisy. She got left completely alone. She had criminal culpability for a, a private server oh, yeah. with all this governmental yeah. documentation on it, none which she could not, as a Secretary of State, declassify, but they raid Mar-a-Lago. I mean, it's just the hypocrisy yeah. that's incredible. Well, so, and that's what drives me nuts. See, and I don't, I'm still not comfortable with you, your prosecutorial uh, discretion. discretion. Because it's, he can just bestow that on anybody then. He, any, of the, any of the cases he he can come out and say that, and that's the end of the case, right? Well, you can't force a prosecutor to uh, to bring charges. Now, you can go over their head. I've done this before um, where a low-level <laughs> prosecutor wouldn't do something. I had a you know, cl- yeah. client maybe who was victimized by domestic violence or something, and they yeah. weren't bringing charges. And we raised enough hell with the police and the prosecutors that they took another look. Uh, but yeah. I, I don't expect that somehow the Clintons have skated on everything. They've skated on yeah. Epstein Island. Yeah. They've skated on their foundation and all of their criminality. We've got about 30 seconds left, Charlie. Okay. Well, I won't keep you, but I, I, it's it's like King's X, fingers crossed behind his back uh, or we, her back or whatever. We've got to believe God brings justice eventually <laughs> to this mess, my friend. Thank you so much for yeah, waiting yeah. to weigh in tonight. God bless you. Okay. Thank, thanks, Randy. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. And is there any? Are there any better people than the callers on Seven Ten Can US? I I just don't think so. I want to invite all of you to join me in my new time slot Saturday. Uh, this coming Saturday, we'll be kicking off at five o'clock. 
Uh, we're going to spend some time with Dr. Tim Watt to talk about this uh, new client that says we saved his life by introducing him to Cenogenics. Wow. I mean, that's that's just his thing, his opinion. I like it. Um, but you need to know about Watt and Cenogenics anyway. And then we're definitely going to have my just one of my dearest friends, Congressman, former Congressman Tom Tancredo in studio, the first guest for the night show. But that's it for Stefan Tubbs. He'll be back tomorrow at 4 p.m. I'm Randy Corcoran. Always remember, please never, ever forget, God loves you. So do I. Stay feisty, my friends, and remember this. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 